You're listening to This is the Work, the podcast, a podcast that shares insights and lessons learned from the Technology Access Foundation, a Seattle-based organization dedicated to providing black and brown students opportunities and access to STEM education. I am Jamila Conley. I work for F5 Networks. I'm a VP in IT, and I support a lot of our strategic initiatives, as well as I lead up our multicultural employee inclusion group, and I work with trying to build partnerships with organizations like Taft at F5 and raising the awareness of the importance of building our pipeline early, especially with students of color, so that we can continue to try to build a diverse workforce. So along those lines, you sort of gave a really great overview of all the things that you do. How did you come to know about TAF and figure out that TAF was a good um, organization to partner with? Actually, it was pretty funny that I had friends that worked at Microsoft when I first moved here 16 years ago, and Taplet's obviously still relatively new. And I heard a lot about Trish. Like I've told Trish, I was like, you know, you're like a local celebrity. I've known about you for years, but I didn't really get introduced to Taft until about uh, probably three or four years ago. Trish came and um, she did a talk at F5 for our women's network and kind of talked about the importance of, you know, building a diverse workforce, um, the lack of women representation, especially in tech. And um, at that point, I had gotten her card, but I didn't get a chance to connect with her. Then I went through the Leadership Tomorrow program about three years ago. And I had specifically done Leadership Tomorrow because I was at a point in my life where I was really trying to figure out, how do I give back? I used to volunteer a lot early in my career, and then as my career started picking up and I used to travel a lot for work, um, I just started giving monetarily to a lot of different organizations, but I wasn't doing as I used to. And so... I, I got to this point where I was really just trying to figure out, like, do I sit on a board? Like, where is my passion? So I went through leadership tomorrow and really figured out that my passion is really with children, and it is really around tech and building that diverse workforce and how I can use my platform as a female leader, a woman of color in the tech industry to help, you know, influence and, and push that push that initiative. So anyway, to go back to your question, as a part of leadership tomorrow, we get introduced to a lot of uh, nonprofits in the area, and um, Taft was one of those that the um, executive director of leadership tomorrow at the time, she was like, I really think you should um, look into Taft. So Trish and I talked had a great conversation and she was like, I want you on my board. And I was like, I wanna be on your board, let's make this happen. So I've been on the board just over a year now. It's been a great experience, you know, being able to, like I said, use my platform at work to help fulfill my passion, both inside of the company I work for, F5 Networks, as well as just at the, in the community at large. And, you know, and really being able to push that message out of the importance of diversity and inclusion across the board. Born in Buffalo, New York to a working class family, Jamila spent her formative years in the Midwest. She credits her eighth grade teacher and working with her mother's tax accountant and giving her the foundation in accounting, which she would later major in at Southern Illinois University. Inspired by startups and the beginning stages of the internet, Jamila completed her MBA in management information systems. 
She'd work as an accountant, auditor, and consultant before ultimately deciding to enter the tech industry. Um, well, I was just wondering, like, in this amazing career and this way that you've been able to pivot through different industries and think about how you're going to utilize all the things that you learn, um, what was that experience like coming up in the tech industry as it's just, like, burgeoning and growing um, as a woman of color? And how did that influence your career path? You know, um... It's, it's interesting because when I worked at T-Mobile, T-Mobile had a lot of, and, and I'm going to actually talk more on the, um, on the female side, had more female leadership. So coming up on the tech side, ironically, like all of the, all of the people I worked for were women at T-Mobile. So I, I had kind of a skewed experience until I left T-Mobile. So when I left T-Mobile, I actually did a small stint at Amazon. And I just remember like my first week there of like, where are all the women? And it was just like such a stark reality of, you know, how you have to navigate as a woman. And then when you layer on being a woman of color to both have your voice heard to feel respected and also have the uh, it's almost like you take on the responsibility of teaching people about their own unconscious bias in some ways and it's been quite an experience just kind of navigating through that especially as I've continued to grow in my career and again then using that platform to you know to keep that in mind um because being in a very male dominated field and a white male dominated field a lot of times that you know there's so much unconscious bias and I'll give you an example I when I went to F5 I worked for a woman and she was amazing but there was always this um thought like she was unapproachable and I was always confused when I heard this um feedback like unapproachable she's very open, very, you know. So when she left, I got a different boss who was a male, and he was starting to tell me this feedback of people thought I was unapproachable. And I was like, really? Like, tell me how? Or, or a lot of guy counterparts were going straight to him. And I was like, well, why are they pinging you? No one asked me. And he was like, really? I was like, here's one thing. I know that my ex-boss used to get this feedback, but I don't think people were going to her. It's just that sometimes... Males wanted to talk to another male, so it was easier to say the woman was unapproachable than to actually try to engage. And when it started happening to me, I was in a position where I could just, because he and I, um, my boss at the time, he and I has, had a really good rapport, that I was like, so do me a favor. If someone comes to you with a problem that involves me or my team, send them to me. I don't want you to try to solution anything because I'm going to show you that it's not that I'm not approachable, they just won't come to me. And so, sure enough, he started, have you talked to Jamila about this? Oh, no. Okay, we'll go talk to her. And so then he and I would have our one-on-one, and he was like, well, did such and such come and talk to you? I'm like, no. No one said anything to me. He's like, oh. Well, I told him to talk to you. I'm like, I, and I told you, it's not that I'm not approachable, they won't come and talk to me. Because, you know, it's like, again, that unconscious bias of I might get, I might, you know, encounter a roadblock. So, I've, and so after like opening his eyes to it, 
it really changed the, his dynamic of how he was being engaged by a lot of his male counterparts and making sure that the women that worked on his team, that people were actually coming to us. And so, and it's just like, and it's really helped trans, transform the way we work, but it's a lot of work because pretty much anytime I get a new male boss, I have to make sure I bring that to the forefront of if someone comes to you regarding my team, please show me the respect of pushing that person to come to me. Because it's not that they've tried to work with me and they're not, you know, they're not getting a response, but a lot of times they want to go straight to a male. So that's one of the things I've seen. The other thing being the we've all heard of mansplaining of or, you know, being talked over in meetings. And it took a long time to really learn how to make sure my voice was heard. Because a lot of times that happens and you or, you know, and you think, I just said that. And, you know, it's like, but a guy says it and now it's acknowledged that I've gotten to the point that if someone does that to me, I will just say, yes, you said exactly what I just said. And I'm glad we're on the same page or, you know, and bringing it back and not back to me, but just making sure that my voice is heard. And that's something that I encourage a lot of women to do. And, you know, because that's how you get seen a lot of times. That's, and that's the other thing. It's like when you talk about unconscious bias. The other thing I've seen is where because sometimes women will get talked over, so then we just don't say anything. And what's sticking in whoever that decision maker at the end of the day, their mind is, oh, yeah, such and such doesn't talk. So how do I know she brings value? And she can be rocking it in her job, but she's not talking in meetings or she's being talked over. And that male decision maker is only seeing like, oh, yeah. Chris is talking all the time. So he's the one that should, you know, get promoted or get the raise. But, you know, Susie over here never says anything because he's not seeing that, yeah, Chris is continually talking over Susie. So I also use my my leadership as a way to help help promote when I see that's happening and helping to bring to the forefront, no, you have a rock star over here in Susie. We need to pay attention to her. And if I need to get her to present in front of you, I will do that. And it's like, and I do that as much as possible to help both bring female voices to the table and to promote people of color where it makes sense. So, you know, and how it makes sense. So that's really, you know, one of the things that I try to do um, as much as possible. Speak about the importance of negotiating as a person of color and as a woman and what advice would you give folks in general about the <laughs> You know, it's, it, it's funny. After I did that piece with King Five, I'm like, this is going to come back to bite me at merit time when my employees are like, remember you said. Um, yeah. But no, obviously, it's important for everyone to be paid fairly and equally if you are providing the same job and bringing your value to the table. And... Just as I said in that piece, I will reiterate is I think the biggest importance that I think both people of color and women, but I'll speak from a a person of color perspective because I think we all know, especially being three black people in this room, that you were told, at least I was told going into the workforce is that you're going to have to work twice as hard 
to get the recognition of you know some of your um, white counterparts and so it's like we already know we go in with that mindset and we do that and and that's great but then we don't close the loop of making sure that that value is seen because a lot of times is that again if you go back to unconscious bias and if you're already starting from behind people are already thinking oh you're never going to catch up so when you do catch up it's already kind of looked at like okay so you've caught up the status quo why would i reward that and instead of well i started you know 50 yards behind to get to status quo like that has to mean something so you know it's like my my biggest advice is really standing up for you and not waiting for someone to notice what you do but you put it in front of someone this is everything that i'm doing and making sure that they know the value that you're bringing to the table. And again, I, I, I focus a lot on unconscious bias because it's not anything that people are tr always trying to do deliberately, you know, or trying to not be fair. But if they don't see you, you, you know, it's like they, they, you're not gonna get what you want and then you're continually frustrated. And sometimes you have to actually speak up about that. And then sometimes, you know, there are times where things may be out of, you know, the decision maker's hands. It could be a budget issue, but at least you know, you know, what's actually happening. And you're forcing that transparency versus walking away frustrated, feeling like you did 110% and you got rewarded for 40%. So that's my biggest piece of advice is speak your value, you know, speak, speak your truth and make sure that you're seen and heard. What would you say you want to be your overall mission? Like, oh, that's, that's, that's a big one. But I feel over the last couple of years and some of the, the work that I've, I've been doing both in my day job, in trying to create diversity and inclusion inside of, you know, where I work, and then serving on the board of Taft, I, I'm really starting to see my overall mission, as I said before, is how can I be more of a community voice? You know, so bigger than F5, using the work that Taft does to be more of a community voice for kids of color, for people of color, for women, and being out there and, and being an advocate, you know, and in any way that I can of, you know, being here to be able to mentor people being able to be in, you know, inside of the four walls of work, being a sponsor of pushing people forward where I see talent and, and growth and potential um, in the community, using platforms such as these to be able to talk about how do we build that pipeline early? How do you tap into um, organizations such as Taft for, for that? Um, I've used my platform at F5 
to host Taft event, so the Untapped event, you know, and having other companies come in and hear about what Taft can do. So I, like I said, I think my my overall mission for myself is to continue to be an advocate for underrepresented people of color and women, and and you know, speaking on behalf of tech. What is something coming up that you're excited for, and how can people stay in touch with you? Well, something that's coming up that I'm actually pretty excited about is um, I've been asked to sit on a panel as a part of the Northwest Women's Show. So Como took took over um, hosting the Northwest Women's Show, and as a part of that, they're um, refactoring it so that it's more Base, starting to talk about women in tech, you know, highlighting um, women leaders. So I'm really excited about that. And, um, and to be able to, again, be a voice and be visible in the community. Um, and that's coming up on uh, February 25th. And, um, and it's actually being aired down in Tacoma, which is kind of cool. So I think, you know, it should be a pretty diverse set of, you know, audience members and I think it'll be fun just kind of, you know, to, to be out there and to be able to talk about the things that I'm passionate about, probably some of the uh, same content we have, we've had here. And people can find me on LinkedIn or you can find me on Facebook. Thank you so much. This hey, is welcome. welcome. This is so good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. <laughs> Learn more about the Technology Access Foundation at techaccess.org. This is the work the book will discuss how the Technology Access Foundation grew from an after-school program to a nationally recognized thought leader and innovator in STEM education. Stay tuned for more episodes and details about the book. Witness what happens when barriers to succeed for students from traditionally underserved communities are eliminated and access to deep STEM learning experience is granted. Be sure to subscribe and follow the Technology Access Foundation on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.